Welcome to the ENA Conference on Demand podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Dan Campana, Senior Manager of PR and Communications with ENA here in Pittsburgh with Sarah Wells. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? I am doing fine. Thank you so much for having me here today. So, uh, Sarah, it's been an interesting week, an exciting week here at Emergency Nursing 2018, and you were one of our presenters. Uh, your session was called Little People, Big Needs, Peds Care in the Community ED. We'll talk about, a little bit about that in a second, but why don't you tell, a little, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, uh, your background in emergency nursing, and your uh, uh, roles with ENA. Yeah, so my name's Sarah Wells. I'm um, current president-elect of the East Bay chapter from California ENA, which is in the Bay Area in East Bay. I live in Oakland and work at a great community hospital in the East Bay. Um, I've been in ENA since 2011. Um, I was a pretty, uh, you know, kind of um, not super active member the first couple of years because I was nervous and new and not sure what to do. But ENA gave me a great um, infrastructure to kind of get involved and start growing as an emergency nurse. So over the years, Years, I've become started going to the conferences. I, it was a great opportunity to uh, educate myself and network throughout the, um, with people throughout the country who are really um, involved in emergency nursing. And over the years now, I am um, this year is my first time speaking at the national conference, and I'm super excited about that. It's also helped um, impa- uh, grow my passion for really helping other nurses grow um, and succeed. Uh, I've been mentored by so many great leaders in emergency nursing throughout over the years, and so it actually inspired me to start my own. Co- coaching business called New Thing Nurse, um, which is an academic and professional coaching company for other nurses. And I've gotten to work with nurses from across the country, helping them grow and achieve things that they, goals they've had for years. And ENA's really done that for me. So I, ENA looked at me and they were like, oh, you're, they didn't look at me just as a new grad, just some new nurse, but they really saw something in me. And sure. people in ENA have really helped me grow throughout the years. And it's just wonderful to be able to give back. What uh, what made you want to take the leap to uh, to apply to be a speaker this year? So um, a, a couple of years ago, I met one of my ENA gurus, David Samuelson, who's also running for um, the National uh, Elections Committee, and um, he really started getting involved, trying to get me more involved, and he signed me up, kind of voluntold me to <laughs> sign up as it works out as a speaker last year, and one of our. Um, educational conferences through Cali and in San Diego. And that really gave me the push in the right direction. Um, I'm very passionate about pediatric care in the emergency department. Um, that's what I'm, I spoke about this year. And um, I got to speak for the first time at the Kona Kai in San Diego, and I've just been hooked ever since. I love being able to educate on the larger scale. I love speaking in, with groups of um, nursing students, um, veteran nurses, new nurses. And it's just an amazing way to connect with so many people in such sure. a short amount of time. So pediatrics can be a tricky area because some people, it's not an area that maybe they're most comfortable with. You're dealing with very vulnerable, very delicate. Very um, small. Very small. (laughs) So there's a lot of different things uh, in addition to not just the clinical, but there's also the comfort side of things. But where does your passion for pediatrics come from? So um, when I first started nursing, I was like many people, I don't want to touch those sick little things. <laughs> I just keep them far away from me and would do everything I could to not be the nurse for the little babies that were coming in with the fever. But over the years, you finally get to, you kind of learn 
scientists love um, not just the sick little babies, but pediatrics is such a um, wide scope of people. You're dealing with little couple pound kids up to 18-year-olds. It's so diverse. There's so many things to learn. And what I really also love is that you're not just caring for the patient, but you're also caring for the parents. So really, you almost have three patients, those caretakers plus sure. your patient, uh, actual pediatric patient. And it's just such a joy to be able to make not just an impact for the medical care and medical needs of your pediatric patient, but also to be able to provide that support and um, emotional uh, caring for the loved ones and family members of a pediatric patient. So for people who didn't make it to your presentation, it will be a part of Conference on Demand, but why don't you tell us a little bit about sort of the overall scope of what uh, what your, your audience heard about during your session on Saturday. So my pediatric care um, initiatives are in a community hospital setting, which is very different than in a hospital that has a pediatric department. So kind of to break it down is that um, we have a 180-bed community hospital inpatient, a 32-bed emergency department, but the only department in the entire facility that cares for pediatrics is our ED. Okay. So people go, okay, how many pediatric patients could you possibly see? Well, we saw almost 11,000 last year, wow. which is like almost 30 kids a day. So we're seeing like a classroom full of kindergartners basically every <laughs> single day. So we have to be ready for those kids. A lot of those kids are just, you know, have a tummy ache. Maybe they have a little bit of a fever and we can deal with those primary care needs and get them home without any issue. But when those kids come in sick, critical needs, needing resuscitation, we have to be ready and the unique situation we're in is that only our department is um, there to care for those kids, so we can't call the PICU staff. We can't call the inpatient pediatric staff. Okay. We have to stabilize and care for that kid until we can get the trans, um, transfer arranged to their final destination. So what my presentation on little people, big needs for it presentation presents and speaks to is how you can best... Um, uh, adapt your emergency department in the community ED setting to best take care of those kids without completely opening up a pediatric ED. Sure. Um, the majority of pediatric patients don't wind up going to a dedicated pediatric facility as their initial emergency department visit. So um, you have to be ready for all kinds. And so the, the breadth of that um, preparedness goes from simple things that are offering increased comfort, so distraction technique, toys, um, having the uh, appropriate analgesia, options for pediatrics, including like sucrose oral gel, all the way up to the LMX 4%, um, nitrous in some cases, things like that. And then also you can ha go all the way up to um, having, we started a mock pediatric mock code program because our staff was not feeling very comfortable or ready for those resuscitation efforts. They caused a lot of stress and those are also um, low volume, high risk patient populations where you can make a lot of errors. Sure. And so by practicing those things, um, setting up collaborative efforts with our other campus that had the inpatient pediatrics and having them come over and helping train us, all of those things are tools that your community hospital can set up to be better ready to take care for those little patients. So to back up just a little bit about yeah. your background, you, you mentioned that for a long time or a, a point in a time in your career, yeah. you wanted nothing to do with those Absolutely. pediatric patients. What was sort of the turning point for you? I had a couple of those unique patients that really kind of turned it around for me. And without getting too specific, um, I had a patient who was a newly diagnosed uh, cancer patient that came in who'd had um, a port placed and there was a malfunction with the placement and he became very ill. And um, because he was a pretty healthy looking adolescent at the time, uh, I don't think we were as concerned as we should have been at the time. And okay. he quickly deteriorated and um, 
anyways, he wound up having good outcomes, but we were kind of in a tight space for a little while. And I think that moment where you realize, most people think kids are going to bounce back because the kids do bounce back a lot sure. of times. And I think it was one of those eye-opening experiences where I was working with this amazing kid, this amazing family, and then things went really wrong really fast, just basically because we weren't at taking it as seriously as we should have at that time. And so I got really engrossed in kind of educating myself and then realizing that I could help educate our staff to be better prepared for those scenarios and really make a big impact in the patient outcomes of our pediatric patient population. It seems like a very unique circumstance that you described being sort of a de facto pediatric care play, you know, uh, center in, in some respects. Uh, but on top of that, you've also got the, the dynamic of from the simple things like stomach ache all the way up yeah. to uh, potentially, you know, uh, traumas from yes. vehicle accidents, uh, hopefully not very often, but I'm sure that, you know, uh, violence, you know, violence inflicted injuries are Absolutely. also part of that. Uh, does that. Do you think that's intimidating for some people is that it's such a wide scope? Absolutely. And I think what people forget is that so often there's similar medical complaints that are just coming down and they think the general rules of um, like trauma care don't apply just because it's a 20 pound person patient instead right. of a 180 pound patient. And so kind of, I think something that's very reassuring is when you're practicing those scenarios like in a mock code situation or whatnot, um, to remind people that this is the same emergency medicine. This is still trauma medicine. You just have to shrink it down a little bit. Sure. You know, the, the equipment's smaller. The doses of the medicine are definitely smaller. Um, but that the system's still very similar. But you would just have to adjust your approach to not only take in the adjustments for size, but also for the adjustments in um, developmental level. Because these kids are not the same as your adult patients. So they don't may not know and understand what's going on. Their parents definitely don't understand what's going on a lot of times or their caretakers in the other cases and so you have to manage communication very differently and I think sure. I've always been really um, interested in how communication affects our emergency department processes and things and so I really enjoy helping teach other nurses how to enhance their communication styles for kids of all ages and also their parents in those scenarios. Because in addition to all the clinical side, there is a lot of comfort level. Absolutely. You know, getting parents who just want it now and they want their child healthy. Absolutely. Um, and then having to figure out the best way to get a child to cooperate or to ease their fears or to even get them to be able to take, you know, the medication that you need to offer to mm -hmm. them. You know, that could be intimidating as well, I would imagine. Okay. What are some of the things, especially really as it relates to parents, um, what are some of the things that you found to be particularly useful um, and that you've shared with others about getting parents into a good place so that you can go through your process? So I think what can really be helpful, so explaining to parents that what you're doing is the best thing for the child, even if it looks like it might be uncomfortable or cause distress in the kid, you know, even simple things like vaccines can be very challenging for small kids. Um, no one likes needles, right? So you have to kind of get them, because the parents are nervous too. They're, any parent who's ever taken their kid to the doctor, you know, they know they have anxiety as much as the kid does sometimes. So trying to talk them through, explain exactly what you're going to do, explain options to have the parent involved, I think is really helpful. So like you can be like, um, tell the parent how to best hold the child to comfort them, um, maybe to be at the head of the bed if you're doing a procedure, talking to them, playing with them, um, wa helping them watch something, a video on the phone is a nice option now with us sure. on any smartphone technology. Um, and if it's also you have to be able to judge if a parent needs to be in the room. Sometimes um, not all family members are best equipped to be in the room to be a calming 
influence um, force, sometimes they're a distressing influence. So sure. sometimes you have to have that conversation saying, mom, dad, maybe you need to step out. Maybe cousin, brother can step in. Um, because, you know, sometimes they just can't handle it. And that's totally fine, too. But always having someone there to support the parent is just as important as having people there to support the pediatric patient. Part of the nurse's job is always to offer some sort of reassurance, you know, to the people that are maybe not the patient but are there in support and are going through their own stress and anxiety that comes with it. And imagine that only gets heightened when you're dealing with a young patient or a pediatric patient. Um, What are some things that typically come up in terms of what people want to know from you, that they see that you have sort of become a little bit of an authority and you are are learning by doing? So what sort of a resource have you become for people because of your your push in this direction over the last few years? So what's been really exciting at our facility is most recently we've developed a group of pediatric champions. So those are people who are more interested in pediatric care, who are interested in learning more, being more involved, maybe being those agents of change in our department. And so we've actually um, identified those people and grouped them together. And so we have um, monthly emails. We try to have little meetings. And with those people, I try to provide resources, so um, continuing education opportunities, classes that they might be interested in taking. ENA offers so many that is so helpful. Online reading, um, ENA has so many position papers. There are so many, uh, so many continuing education articles and things like that that they can read on the website. Um, also providing um, regular um, in-services about things that are really distressing or hard to understand. So like at our facility, our um, pediatric code cart is something that Um, We review regularly how to create appropriate dosing for small dosing of medications, Um, how to use distraction techniques appropriately is something I've tried to review with people. Our asthma pathway can be challenging for some people just because it's something they don't use all the time, and there's certain dosing and medications and steps that you have to do, so we try to review that. And what's been great about our pediatric champion um, program is that now I can educate, you know, a group of 10 people, and then they can be teacher, like I'm teaching the teachers, so I can... That those teachers can then go out and help teach the rest of the department because we have around 100 nurses. Okay. So it's not like I can be there to teach them <laughs> all the time, right? So um, we have people in all shifts now that can kind of be um, resources for them. So what I feel like the best thing that I've done recently is that I've tried to create more resources for our department to provide continued support for our staff. Expanding the, the knowledge exactly. base, but also expanding the network of people who can talk about these things and Absolutely. come up with new ideas and just keep moving you in. And it sounds like over the last few years, the ability to handle the caseload that you just yes. described has yes. really improved. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, this will be available for, on, it will be available on conference on demand. Um, so for the folks that weren't able to be in Pittsburgh with us yes. this week and, and see you and meet you and talk to you before or after or listen to your presentation, you know, give me just a couple of, of quick things that somebody who's listening to this would go, I need to go jump on conference on demand to get the full Sarah Wells experience on this, on this topic. Yeah. So um, I think with the conference on demand, it'll be a great way to review a lot of the lectures and kind of get the meat of the um, uh, suggestions and recommendations. There will also be, I think, the presentations might be made available at some point. They'll be a part of that, uh, part including of the yours. Webinars. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so you can also pull up the PowerPoint, which will have a lot of information in it. Um, I'm also available. I'm very active online, so I have a company called New Thing Nurse, and you can reach me um, on almost all the social media platforms. So I'm on Instagram at New Thing Nurse, N-E-W Thing Nurse. Um, Facebook at New Thing Nurse. I'm on LinkedIn, Sarah K. Wells. Um, and uh, you can always shoot me an email, New Thing Nurse, at New Thing Nurse. Um, I would love to hear back from uh 
conference attendees or people who are just interested in things and we could talk more about a pediatric readiness in the community hospitals that I'm so passionate about it and just want to make sure that people have the resources they need or know about the resources that are out there that they might not know about and sure. I think ENA has so much to offer that people just need to get connected with. Um, it's really exciting to be here. So now that you've got this experience, your first time speaking out of the way, uh, what what do you hope for next in terms of expanding your knowledge and being able to share it with others? So I'm, what I'm really um, super excited in the next couple months to be a part of for, with ENA is that they're start uh, sounds like reinvigorating their mentorship program, and so I've just enrolled to be a mentor and offer help um, through ENA mentor services, and then next month I'm going on the ENA cultural trip to okay. Norway and Poland, and so I'm super excited to see how they may. <laughs> address pediatrics over there and emergency nursing in general. So um, as I learn on a global scale, I'll be able to bring that back to um, e future ENA conferences. I'll be at the symposium in Orlando in November. Um, I'm all over the place with ENA, so <laughs> you'll see lots of me, but also to bring back to the followers at New Thing Nurse so that we can share not just with our ENA followers, but with our New Thing Nurse tribe. I think just being able to share ENA to more people, being able to tell them about it. Um, some people are discovering it for the first time. I love nothing more than to have new followers say, how can I get more involved with emergency nursing? And the first thing I always say is, you need to join Emergency Nurses <laughs> Association. And so I just feel like I'm proselytizing the organization to all of our people. So it's so exciting to be a part of it and be a, um, at a presenter for the first time at the conference. So if uh, if you weren't here with us in Pittsburgh this week, you know, you don't need to worry that you'll, you've missed out on too much because with Conference on Demand, you'll be able to find Sarah's presentation, Little People, Big Needs, Peds Care, in the community ED, and as she mentioned, uh, there's practically no way that you could not communicate with her uh, through social media and other upcoming ENA events. So if you're going on the culture exchange trip or you're going to join us in Orlando for the regional symposium, uh, you'll be able to uh, capture some of her energy in person that she's brought through here in the podcast and as the people that were in your presentation saw firsthand this week. So uh, Sarah Wells, I appreciate you taking some time for us today. Um, I hope that uh, it's been a good week for you here in Pittsburgh, and we'll be see you in Austin next year. I'm so excited. I will be there next year, the whole week, because you know I love boots and barbecue. <laughs> so this is Dan Campana from ENA uh, reminding you, you can find Sarah's presentation and, and a number of others on Conference on Demand. For more information on ENA Conference on Demand, visit the ENA website at ena.org slash on demand.